gone fishing. Do 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 do. Where is Ricardo, Phil? Well, I'm t- I've just been told he's gone fishing, but looking at the weather, I think he'd probably be just about the same level of wetness sitting on the fishing bank as if he jumped in the flaming river. I know he's going fishing because when he's going fishing, he takes personal calls that Wiggly Wigglers of a different nature. So where is his Sarah the wife call goes like this? Yes, dear. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, will do. I, I can bring some home. Where from? Yeah, I'll pick it up. No problem. Yeah, I gotta go. Gotta go. Have fun. Yep. Yeah, see you then. He goes like this. Hey. Yep. Righto. Got the rods. Got the car. Got the what's it? Meet you on the motorway. See you at the petrol station. Yep, yeah, boy. And you have about nine calls saying that same thing. So I think he's gone fishing with a group of mates. That's probably as a result of giving Sarah permission to buy a horse. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you've been missing out. <laughs> now then, good luck to Rachel's daughter, Gemma, who is going on an adventure to Wisconsin. On this week's show, we would like to thank you, dear, dear listener, for all your messages of support after our farm fire, which we'll tell you all about. Can you believe the Facebook group, Phil? Unbelievable. I mean, it was Unbelievable. Within... Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Within what seemed like... Not many hours of putting up four or five photos of our slight fry-up on Sunday. We got people from all over the world making funny comments, expressing sympathy, and all the rest of it. It was great. Here we go. We've got a new seed mix which has just come in. Can you hear it? Just come into my sticky little fingers. I've been waiting for Farmer Phil to make this new farm mix for, oh, about 10 years now. So finally, after some sort of <laughs> nagging over the kitchen table this morning, with me saying, we're now on to the next catalogue, Farmer Phil. We need the seed. Here it is. So we'll have a look at that later. Here is our latest review on the American iTunes, and it's from Estrogen. Five stars. Thank you, Estrogen. Who knew that a city girl from California would fall so in love with a British podcast about worms and gardening? After the first episode, I was hooked. The hosts, Heather, my favourite for her liveliness, Farmer Phil, his no-nonsense-ness, and Richard, well, how do you describe Richard? By implication, nonsenseness. <laughs> Give the listener a laugh or two and an idea of what agriculturalists do. The next time I come to England, I want to come and visit the Wiggly Farm. Well, you will be very welcome, Estrogen. And so will all of you, dear listeners. Best time to come is between nine and four, Monday to Saturday, because then there is actually something going on. Laurie has opened the floristry on a Saturday. So you're welcome to pop round for your, your rosy posy or your buttonhole if you're going to a wedding. Come round if you're going to a wedding. Have you seen the new layout, Phil? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It uses the space that we've got rather better and so that you can see a bit more of what's on offer. And really, it's the start of our shop, isn't it? Can't say shop. Have to have a redundant building to have a shop. It's a shed. Ah, oh, right. 
You can't describe that as a shop. Collection centre. Collection centre. Please visit our collection centre. I'll tell you what we have got. We've just set up our Ecover Recover bar. So you can come and refill your Ecover with recovering your Ecover at our Recover bar. That was very impressive. I was quite impressed with that. Were you? Yeah. Most popular Recover Ecover products, laundry liquid and washing up liquid. I've got to say that I test the laundry liquid to destruction and it does work. <laughs> See, it's much better without Richard. We can talk all day about products. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a review of something else, Phil. How's your Oppenel knife going? <laughs> well, as we all know, it stays sharp. <laughs> Let's talk about something else product-wise, Phil. <laughs> what How about are that you new go- seed mix you've got? <laughs> I know what. What about Billy and the goat socks? He loved them on holiday. That camping nightmare that well, I, I went on. I do gather that the weather conditions on your family camping holiday was such that goat socks, <laughs> probably several <laughs> layers of them, were needed. I think so. I don't understand that reference about the Hobbit and me, though. I know you keep saying it's a compliment, but no. I'm not sure. I don't think it's for me really to... Um, Pass comment on the physical attributes of hobbits, let alone their character traits. Michael says it's a compliment. Let's go in here. Ricardo, as usual, is out of breath because his house is on the side of Wallope Dome. <laughs> so he's permanently out of breath. But he does know his onions, doesn't he? Well, I expect so. I'd have to admit that he does know his onions, yes. You grew onions? Mm. Years ago, when I used to work in Cambridge, we grew onions. What did you do with the waste? Onion waste is smelly. Well, we used to compost it and spread it back on the land with a muck spreader. But it wasn't very nice stuff. And as you say, a rotten onion is a... Is a they used to say that the old boys who, who I worked with, and we, we'd spend a lot of the winter riddling or sorting onions, and they'd say, it either puts you off onions for life and you'll never want to eat another one, or you eat them every meal. And I'm pleased to say that I was the one who was quite happy to eat them every meal. And every meal. And I can vouch for that, dear listener, he does eat them every meal. <laughs> you'd sit down for your bait in the onion shed and you'd cut up an onion off the heap and add it to whatever sarnies you'd got going of the day. And yes, just the job. Let's listen to Ricardo in his garden talking about his onions and how tight he is. It's nice to try something different every year. And uh, this year was the first year that I tried to grow onion seed. Or rather, I tried to grow onions from seed. And uh, it's proved a real success. In fact, the onions I've grown from seed are much larger than the ones I grew from sets. And it was on the same bit of ground. So they both had the same chances. Growing from seed is a little bit more time-consuming than just going and buying a bag of sets and, and putting them in. But the beauty of seed is that you can sow just a few sprinklings into a seed tray and you end up with thousands of onions I often think it's quite nice to grow a few extra seed and, and and give them away you know and then folks can plant them in their gardens and whatnot so that's often quite a nice thing to do so you've got plenty for yourself uh, obviously seed is a great deal cheaper than sets so what we've got um, well I, grow, I only grow red onions white onions are pretty cheap I don't really bother growing them because they're probably one of the least expensive vegetables and uh, in fact, they, they take up space in the garden, so I just grow the tasty red varieties, which are great for cooking, obviously, but they unsurpassed in a, in a cheese sandwich. Some of these onions must be at least four inches apart. Um, what I've done this year, usually we just pull them out of the ground about now as they go over, 
and lay them on the ground to dry. But because we've not had any dry weather, um, I've put this grid on, which is, is just a bit of mesh really, just to keep them off the ground and lay them on here. And they're, well, <laughs> they're getting wet, but at least they're not rotting next to the soil. Looking forward to these. Onions, I mean, um, apparently, according to Terry, the seed that you sow doesn't last as well as growing from sets. So the onions that are grown from seed usually uh, last till around Christmas. So these are the ones we'll eat first. And the other ones, the, the ones that you grow from sets, usually store for longer. Not sure why that is. I must ask him, actually. But that's no problem. We can scoff all these before Christmas time. I imagine some of these will probably be in our, our sage and onion stuffing, actually. Classy, eh? So he only grows red onions. Woo! Yeah, but apparently he only grows red onions because the white ones are so cheap. Yeah. Well, I, I think that white onions are cheap because of the imported ones that are grown in sand with irrigation and hydroponics in the Far East. And they can grow them very cheaply and they're tasteless compared to English onions. Oh, so does he know his onions or not? Well, I don't know, but as a previous grower of English onions, which are far stronger than any of your imported ones, in terms of value for money or bang for bucks, it's your English onion you want. So, buy your onions from your farm shop. I discovered Brayton Farm Shop the other day, which is just outside Hereford. Absolutely delicious apples. I bought from there. And the other little tip I want to share with you, the best homemade Bolton bread in the world, I think, could be at Beckett's Farm Shop. So the Beckett's were the sponsors for my Nuffield scholarship and they brought down a loaf of bread from their farm shop. Very, very tasty. Where is it? Where is Beckett's Farm Shop? It's yep. not far from Ulster, isn't it, in Warwickshire? Yeah, it's on that roundabout, that big roundabout in between Ulster and Birmingham. Just north of Ulster, I... Yeah, just find it. Tell Put in Beckett's Farm Shop into Google and you'll be aware. With regard to apples, it is a particularly good idea to use fresh apples that are locally grown because apples are one of the products that you have to put quite a lot of chemicals on to give shelf life. And if you ship them around the world, you either have to fumigate them or actually coat them in particular chemicals, which are not very nice, I have to say. We actually have used some of them to stop grass seeds sprouting in the field. Apples that you know, arrive at the wrong time of year from far away on the world are likely to have been exposed to some fairly strong chemicals. Mm. So if you have them fresh from your local farm shop or scrumped off the neighbour's orchard, in Richard's case, <laughs> then you, know, you can be fairly confident that they won't have had any of that on them and they'll be just the job. Talking about local food, do you know, Farmer Phil, who I'm going to see this very weekend? Pass. Monsieur David Pittman, who has his wonderful restaurant called Morgan's in St David's. It is good. And I'm going there for tea, and he's promised me it'll be free. Is he ill? I think he must be, because I'm part of the Really Wild Festival. The patron is Professor David Bellamy. It's run by Julia Horton Powell, and it's about wild food. They call it foraging, but it's scavenging, isn't it, really? Well, it is, but we've all been complaining about the weather these last few weeks and have those we? of us have been trying to do harvest. Is that you, Farmer Yes, <laughs> but I noted yesterday there is a benefit to the weather. We have a huge crop of blackberries 
And as somebody who is quite partial to blackberry and apple pie, and blackberries are free and extremely tasty, if a little prickly to pick, I thought, well, that is a benefit. As long as you don't get into trouble parading round your local farmer's blackberry bushes, ask before you go, if now is the time. Get off my land. <laughs> <laughs> now then, Farmer Phil, let's go into another product review just before we go to Julia then, because I've got the perfect basket perfect wiggly basket to go and pick blackberries <laughs> with. It's just £35 available in our catalogue. Here we go to the Really Wild Festival. Hope to see you there. The dates are the 5th and 6th of September 2009 or the 30th and 31st of August 2008. Welcome, Julia Horton Powdrill, to the Wiggly Sofa. I know you're not here, but I'm sat on the Wiggly Sofa, so welcome to Wiggly Wigglers podcast with me sitting on the Wiggly Sofa. Well, it's kind of you to invite me to sit on your sofa, even if I'm so far away, but I'm quite comfortable here, thank you, and looking forward to talking to you. Yes, you're sitting virtually. Now, listen, <laughs> tell me all about this really wild food and countryside festival, because I know that you are the queen of this event <laughs> and I would like to know how you came up with it, why you came up with it and how you make it work. Well, years ago I had the idea of having a festival because I was really keen on the country. I was brought up in the country. I love wild things and my father was a country doctor so I used to have great fun with him roaming around the countryside and he was a very knowledgeable person. And I always wanted to do something like this, but because I was running a business in South East Wales, I never had the time or the energy, frankly. I'm not sure that I got the energy now, but I got <laughs> the time. So yeah. once, I, once I moved to South West Wales, I thought I'd get it started. My husband's first response was absolutely no way. But here we are approaching our fourth year in about two weeks' time. And it seems to have gone really well now. It's getting bigger every year. I think... Probably if I had started to run it when I first thought of the idea all those years ago, everyone would have said I was completely batty. Now they only think I'm partially batty, but it's a very sexy thing now, wild stuff. And we were in at the beginning of it, so I'm, I'm very happy with that. What do you mean by wild stuff? Is this just how to make your own nettle soup, which I know is good for gout and I know is very tasty, <laughs> but you know, is it just that? What's it about? It's about all sorts of things, really. All our producers have to have a very close connection with the countryside or at the very least have at least three items products which have food from the countryside in we have wild crafts crafts that come from the countryside you know things like hazel hurdles willow weaving all those sort of things so a lot of it's it's wood based i suppose we have you know bodgers and pole lathers and all that sort of thing it's also to get people out there in the countryside. We have walks and we have talks, which of course you know because you're very kindly coming to give a couple. And to get people out in the countryside was one of the things we're all told to get much more fit. And I thought people don't appreciate really what's around them out there. And I think if, people, if they become more aware of what they're seeing as they're walking around, it's actually good for the environment because I don't think they're going to go trashing farmers' fields and woodlands and things. So I think they're you know, they can keep a lookout on dwindling stocks of various things without actually realising it. So it's, it's a good health thing as well. Is this what you think our county shows should be like then? Because I, I've, I've seen mm -hmm. over the years them decline. Uh, I mean, the Royal Welsh certainly hasn't, but many county shows are in decline and end up being, 
How, mm. to, put, how to put it politely? Cheap, yes, I know. <laughs> cheap jacks selling kites. Absolutely. It's, you're right. A lot of agricultural shows have all the sidewalks walks full of stalls that are fairground things to a certain extent and market stuff, I suppose, market traders almost. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think there's a time and a place for them. I suppose the response from people who are running those bigger things is that not all the family wants to look at cows and sheep and tractors, so it has to be something for the wives to do. Well, I don't know. I find that questionable, really. But uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I think... I think they are going downhill. They're certainly going fairground direction. And I think it's a great shame. I was thinking about our festival the other day and wondering really, you know, maybe this is how some of the bigger shows started in some ways. Because this year we've actually got a few um, more unusual things for us coming along, which is ferret racing, which I think will be enormous fun. So I'm really looking forward to that. And we've got someone's bringing some pygmy goats he just volunteered, which is fabulous. And we've got a gun dog display. So, so it's the countryside, I suppose. And the more things we can get to do with that, the better. I don't want to go down. We do turn people down. We have asked, you know, people have rung us and asked us if they can bring, bring things along. And I, we, do, we do turn them round, down because obviously it means more money for us that we can put towards to next year's festival if we have more people. But of course, we, don't, we want to keep not the quality, but the, the content of a certain level so that, so that people remember it as being different. It's not just a food festival. It's got a lot more going on there. There's two things I'm particularly looking forward to. First of all is my talk. <laughs> Only joking. <laughs> I, and, I am, and me. <laughs> I am particularly looking forward to the title of my talk. I think it's the best talk title I've ever had, and that is Where to Stick Your Waste. I hope you didn't mind me change. I changed that. I, you know, oh, I, I you sent brilliant. me one. No, 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 no. As I just thought, well, I hope you don't mind if I do that because I wanted people, like you said, it's it's not a dry subject in inverted commas. I mean, it's fun, and everyone that I know that has seen you speak says you're so amazing. So I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> oh heck, dear listener, I don't know what I'm going to live up to. But there's two <laughs> things I'm really seriously looking forward to. First of all is the Welsh cider. But Good. Second of all is Margaret Farazzi. Yes. Collecting, identifying and eating mushrooms. So actually, she's cooked for us as a chef because we have chef demonstrations going on all through the two days, every hour. And each of those has to have things from the wild, for instance. But um, she was uh, she did uh, some chef demos for us the last two years. And this year we've, we thought we'd give her a break. And then she so wanted to come. We've shoved her in the talk tent. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, a little bit of wiggly gossip is needed. I want to know, is Keris coming? <laughs> Actually, I've got photographs. I did ask her if I could put a photograph of her on the website, but she didn't respond. But she was there certainly last year, and I'm hoping that she will. And obviously, now she's away somewhere because she lives very close. And, Does she? Uh, she lives uh, just, ooh, just up, well, just up, the, just up the lane, really, I suppose, a couple of miles, something like that. Good Which Lord. is great. Yes, so that'd be exciting. So that's Keris Matthews, isn't it? Yes, yes, exactly. And um, the reason that I've got involved, I must just give more guns are mentioned because (laughs) David who is now well he's working with you isn't he on this project he certainly is used to work at Wiggly Wigglers and he invited me along and now he's got a restaurant in St David's called Morgan's have you eaten there? Uh, too often, far too often. Yes, it's fabulous, really fabulous. We, we love going there and it is great. And I must just also give him a plug because he puts on wild menus during the week of the festival so people can choose things that are from the wild and it's all, everyone, you know, rubs off against each other and it's really great. And St David's is an amazing place anyway, isn't it? Just give our listeners, because we've got listeners in California, New Zealand, Japan, Sweden, wow. just give them the briefest description 
of the edge of the world. It is the edge of the world, isn't it? It's fantastic. If we walk too far, we fall into the Irish Sea. <laughs> and St. David's has the most fabulous cathedral. St. David's is the smallest city in Great Britain. It's a very small town, really, with a fabulous, fabulous cathedral and Bishop's Palace. Lots of nice things going on there. And, of course, the lovely beaches, sailing and all sorts of things. Walks, coastal path. We're in the Pembrokeshire Coast National Path, the only park. We're the only national park that is truly coastal. So that's really nice. So it's a very pretty, spiritual you know, fabulous area to live. I'm very, very lucky to be here. And the patron of your show is somebody pretty special too. Yes, yes, um, Professor David Bellamy, who is, of course, absolutely amazing and mad and so on. <laughs> he, he actually stayed with me. I did some filming with him, some programs on herbs of, oh, a few years ago, and he stayed with me because I was running a business, um, a country house business, and he stayed with me, and then he came back with his wife and his grandson, and it was just great, actually. He was, you know, it was so super of him to agree to do this because it was a bit of a shot in the dark, you know, because a lot of people just can't be bothered. And so he just sends us a little word every so often, but I sent him lots of emails telling him what's going on. Fantastic. So tell us the date, the kickoff, and why you think we should come. I'm coming anyway. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, Okay, well, everyone should come because Heather's coming, <laughs> which is the main reason, of course. It's on the 30th, Saturday the 30th and Sunday the 31st of August, so in just about two weeks. It's the weekend after the bank holiday, just to remind everybody, in St. David's, Pembrokeshire. It starts each morning, it starts at 10 and finishes at 5. And you should come because our producers and the people that come and visit us say that it's just really relaxing and low-key and terribly friendly and great fun. Give us the website address. www.reallywildfestival.co.uk Fantastic. I must just add that if you are listening to this podcast in the future, then of course it's already happened. But lucky, 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 next year is also booked in. So can you please give us the 2009 dates, Julia, just before we go? It will be next year, the 5th and the 6th of September. Same place, bigger and better. And if you're listening in 2010, well, you'll just have to go to the website. Thank you Absolutely. very much. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so Julia. much, Julia, Thanks for coming very on much. the show. Thanks. And I Thanks. look forward to seeing you at the festival. Look forward to it too. Thanks, Heather. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Julia. And of course, if you are going foraging for berries, you'll need a berry truck then. That wouldn't be a bad idea. You could probably benefit from having a pair of gloves too. Oh, a pair of English linen ladies' gloves, perhaps. <laughs> well, and then, of course, you'll need a jam-making essentials kit. Ah, well, now you're getting on to my favourite, favourite subject, which is blackberry jelly. Oh, jelly. Yeah. Can you make jelly in a jam-making essentials kit? You just have to strain it. We'll have to phone Mary. Blackcurrant jelly on toast. Just a jolly job. Or on new Beckett's bread. You collect it, Phil. I'll make it. Righto. Right then. Let's hear all about Lower Blakemere's dramatic rescue with Firefighter Gorringe on the hose Sunday afternoon having a glass of rosé wine when? Over to you, Farmer Phil. Well... We, I mean, we haven't been doing any combining, have we? It's been raining. But anyway, Sunday morning I was cleaning the combine off, which involves parking it in the middle of the yard and using a large air compressor to blow off all the rubbish and any seeds and clean it out. I'll so, do the impression of the sound. Um, 
<laughs> so having done that and decided that it was lunchtime, I came in for lunch, having switched everything off and left it in the middle of the yard. Heather said, ah, Monty's outside washing the car. He hasn't quite finished. We'll save his lunch for him and he can have it in a minute or two. Because he was with his friend Ben. And we sat down to have our lunch. And we hadn't been sat down for more than ten minutes when (laughs) two small boys arrive at the door and they claim they shouted fire, fire, but actually it came out as... And so we decided that this was perhaps not quite as it should have been. Well, it was when Ben said, Hev, it really is a real fire, (laughs) that we decided to vacate our seat. And we looked outside to see that my JCB Lodal had taken fire on its own and was burning like the veritable Roman candle in the middle of the yard. I said to Farmer Phil, shall I call the fire brigade? He said, I quote, ooh... I think it'll burn itself out. Well, that was a fair comment. It would have done, but it probably was a good idea that you called the... Well, actually, you detailed Ben and Monty to call the fire brigade and direct them in, which they did stunningly well. The flames were actually above the height of the tallest barn. So that was one issue, and the flames had also reached the front wheel of the combine, which was potentially an expensive issue so How much is a new combine these days, Farmer Phil? 175000 £200,000. Mm, best move it, then. Yes. So, anyway, hopped in the combine. Heather, meanwhile, had gone to investigate her supply of freshly serviced fire extinguishers, of which she was quite proud. And I moved the combine off the way, and thankfully that was undamaged. So then the next item to rescue was the Wiggly JCB. That was my main worry, because I thought, I'll save the Wiggly JCB, which was parked next door to it. But by the time I arrived with my two fire extinguishers puffing away, wondering what it meant by foam or water, thinking, oh gosh, pull the plug, how do you do it? I put my fireman's pose into action, spread my legs, crouched down and pulled the trigger. Whereupon this tiny little, I can only say it's sort of like peeing onto the JCB, (laughs) little dribble of water came out of the end of it. So I looked at it and no, that was genuinely all that was going to happen. So I aimed it at the JCB and even the boys laughed at this effort because it was useless. So anyway, while this this action was going on at the seat of the fire, I should say that by this time the Wiggly JCB was also on fire. And we'd had one tyre blowout, which you could hear three miles away. They make a very big bang. Heather and the boys were unaware that some 25 years previous, Father and I had installed a fire hose system on the farm. And the reason that we'd installed a fire hose system was that during the last war, so in the 40s, the Italian prisoners of war that were based here and working on the land put in a four-inch main from a pond up in the wood to drive a water turbine that drove a hammer mill to mill up animal feed. And so we've got this big pipe connected to a pond up on the hill. And so at the point 25 years ago, we thought, put the fire fitting on the end of the pipe, buy some hose, we've got the ability to fight a fire within the farmyard and for relatively little money this would be a good job so that's unbelievable i don't think there is another family 
who would have thought of doing that? This is from Adrian, who, when I first moved into this farmhouse, I went into the attic, and listeners may remember me saying this, there was 39 left wellies because his right welly wore out on the tractor, but he thought he would keep the left welly just in case he lost a leg or <laughs> maybe the other one would wear you, out until he got might, to 39 wellies. You might mock. However, <laughs> we unrolled the tube yep. and fitted our nozzle to the end of the tube and by this time, Heather, having given up on her fire extinguishers... Was I now, didn't. I fought my way by the fire <laughs> with my hose. ...was now looking somewhat disconcert, and I said, here, a leading hosewoman, Hev, get a hold of this. And Julie switched the water on, and by God, it and blew Hev out, was didn't it? just... <laughs> like, how do you say that? <laughs> and Hev was jet-propelled around the farmyard on the end of the hose pipe. But we put the fire out. Well, we got just it under about as the, as the fire brigade got to us, and they didn't hang around. We put out the Wiggly JCB first because that was fairly superficial damage, and then we managed to put out what was left of our JCB. And at that point, the fire brigade arrived, all bells and whistles. Monty and Ben stood at the end of the drive, directed them in. And they looked rather crestfallen when they saw our fire hose because they'd only got a little one like a garden sprinkler <laughs> and they sort of sprinkled it down a bit and by that time it was all out. So then we all had, a, had the obligatory cup of tea. Ah, well, they also got their chemical oh, gas yes. masks on to yep. investigate the scene. Monty and Ben had a tour of the fire engine, which was really good. And the whole point is that we cannot believe how lucky we are. Had we not seen that fire for another five minutes... No more. ...then it would have got the Wiggly JCB, and the Wiggly JCB was parked next door to 105 beehives, which Pip had just made, which would have made the most perfect kindling for the whole of Wiggly Wigglers and the farm enterprise, as far as well, I can see. The other way, equally, the combine would have gone up, and that would have bridged the gap to the grain store. Yeah. So that... For the sake of Ben and Monty actually being outside and alerting us to the situation and being able to do something about it, we restricted the damage to two and a half machines and we could have had complete wipeout. Yes. Very I lucky. would like to say there is extra damage, and that is there is grovely black soot all over the yard, which now gets trodden into the Wiggly office on an hourly basis. And so I've had to sweep up. Five days out of five. I'm very sorry. <laughs> anyway, thank you to the Fire Brigade. A big thank you to Monty and Ben. And thank you to everyone who has sent us messages or gone and took the mick out of us on the Facebook group. We are very grateful. And if you want to see how the fire was, go to the Wiggly group at www.facebook.com. Search for Wiggly Wigglers and Farmer Phil's put up all the photos there we would put them on the blog but karen's on holiday so we'll do that at some point in the future lastly but not least what's in this farm mix farm phil why have i got this new farm mix well basically the problem with the ingredients that we mix into our various mixes is that the imported ingredients are suffering major inflation they're getting very expensive and so we thought that we would put together a mix which had less 
of the highly expensive imported ingredients and more of the either closer grown European ingredients or grown here on the farm. And to that end, that mix has got more indigo in it, for example, and it's got a good smattering of less expensive imported ingredients. And so the purpose of that is to provide something which is a little cheaper but is still attractive and beneficial to the birds. What's the white stuff? Millet. Or uh, there is some grit in that mix as well, oyster shell grit. Oh, right, yeah. That's Farmer Phil's phone. He's forgotten (laughs) to switch it off. Every week on the podcast, Michael asks Farmer Phil if he's switched the phone off. And after 100 billion episodes, he's finally thought that perhaps Farmer Phil would learn. (laughs) But no, silly old Michael. (laughs) Anyway, just before we leave you for this week, we'd like to thank you for listening. I'm very pleased to say we've got a new iTunes review on the UK site. So here we go, Farmer Phil. It's from Burnham. Burnham. Talk in. (laughs) Burnham fire. Burnham. Anyway, thank you very much. Five stars. Is this an attempt to get mentioned on the podcast due to Heather's keen watching of the iTunes reviews? Heck, I don't care. Another five-star review for the Wigglers team. An amazing podcast. Something for everyone. Gardening advice, topical debates on issues of importance from both sides of the country fence. Whilst Heather officiates between Ricardo and Farmer Phil. A real blast of fresh air for this Mancunian dreaming of the country good life in his mid-terrace. And there's always space for a can of worms in his container veg plot in his backyard. Excellent. Just the job. There we are. Thank you very much for another week. Monty's just popped in, so I'll get him to tell you exactly what he said when he found the fire. Uh, I saw the fire. There were 12-foot flames above one of the sheds and black smoke. And I ran in and shouted, fire, fire, fire. You knew where Daddy was in it. I didn't know where Daddy was. I didn't know he he was having lunch. So Daddy got up and Mummy said, call the fire brigade. And my dad said, no, no, it'll be all all right. (laughs) And there's these big flames and this tractor and compressor blowing up. Big bangs you could hear from two miles away. And we eventually, me and Ben, phoned the fire brigade. 999. 999. Nine. But, na- yeah, 999999. Because you need nine. Yeah. For an outside line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what road are we on, Monty? Because that's what they asked you. The B4352. Handy. Thank you very much. Well done, Montague. He saved the day. Bye from us, from the Wiggly Podcast. We hope to see you. Well, we won't see you. People will say that, but we don't see you. But we hope to talk to you, talk with you very soon. Bye from me. And bye from me. And bye from me. Because I'm part of the Really Wild Festival. And the Really Vile... Really Vile Festival. (laughs) Sorry, darling. Put your teeth back in. The Really Wild Festival is in St. David.